the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And a Merry Christmas to you if you're celebrating it out there. And uh, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Holidays to everyone. It is the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. It's a best-of edition for 75% of the show. This is happens to be the new portion of it. And we don't have much time. we got to get to it pretty quickly because we've got news and notes to get to. But coming up over the course of the next three segments... You'll hear some of the best of the Algatulo Craft Beer cast for 2022. One is from Epic Brewing when I was out in San Diego. Second will be from the Craft Beer Marketing Awards. And then finally, uh, from Echo Friendly Beer. So let us dive into those news and notes very quickly because we don't have much time. I've been talking about it for, for over uh, two months now. The Atlantic City Beer and Music Festival, Ocean Casino Resort. That's who it's presented by. June 3rd and 4th, Bader Field. Uh, get your tickets right now. 60 bucks. Until the end of January. After that, on February 1st, they'll make the headlining band announcements, and then the tickets jump up in price. Get on it. Get your tickets now. Now, all you can buy is just the tickets for general admission right now or the Hops Trot 5K Beer and Fun Run, which is $99 plus tax and fees. Everything else, VIP, uh, Jitney, group packages and stuff, that does not take place until February 1st. So uh, the prices will go up. Uh, definitely get in on it. I already told two of my buddies that I bought them tickets already because I want them to come to the event, and it's going to be a great time. They'll have to figure out hotels and whatever, but it is an awesome event at Bader Field. Could it be the last time it's at Bader Field? It's entirely possible. We shall see. But get on it. Get your tickets now, acbeerfest.com, for all the information there. Now, Jersey Cyclone Brewing has joined forces with Supercharged Entertainment New Jersey. This is the new... Uh, go-kart track that is the biggest of its kind, not only, I think, in New Jersey, but in the entire United States, that has opened. So there's a, a go-kart racing. I think there's bumper cars. I think there's, there's uh, hatchet throwing. There's all kinds of stuff going on at this place. It's an enormous facility. But Jersey Cyclone has come up with a, uh, a beer called Super Stout, which is available at the uh, restaurant uh, that has their burgers and brews. Uh, it's a restaurant that's within the facility. You can get it there. It's a 6% stout. Uh, you can also find Eye of the Storm Citra and Open Wave on tap as well. I think Jersey Cyclone is now the official um, sort of local brewery uh, of uh, Supercharged Entertainment, this uh, go-kart facility. So I want to get over there. My, my brother-in-law is having his birthday party there in January, but I'm going to be on vacation. Uh, but I think I'm going to wait until the crowd's kind of died down a little bit before I get over there. But that's kind of cool. Now, Icarus Brewing is going to be celebrating six years in business as a brewery, 
And it is going to be taking place January the 13th, 14th, and 15th. So that weekend, they will be having tons of stuff. They're going to have all types of bottle releases, merchandise drops, live music, a ton of barrel-aged tappings. Uh, save the dates. You definitely want to jump on it. And if you mark yourself as attending on their Facebook events, you'll get notified anytime they post an update on it. So go to Icarus's Facebook page. Click on the event for the day that you want to attend. I'm trying to get down there on Friday the 13th. Um, we shall see. That's going to be a tough weekend for me, but I, I have to get down there one of those days for the 60-year anniversary uh, in January. So uh, we shall see. But kudos uh, to Icarus. Six years as a brewery, and they've brewed, get this, over 674 different beers in the six years, which is pretty cool. So kudos to Icarus. Love that. Um, a, a bunch more big events. Big Brew, Saturday, March 4th at the uh, Morristown Armory. Uh, noon to 4, 530 to 930, com. 21 and older with uh, picture ID. Get on that. I will be at that event. The Brewsology Beer Fest is taking place on Saturday, February 11th from 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, 50 bucks for tickets, general admission from 8 to 11. The VIP gets you in at 7. Uh, those tickets run you 65 bucks. Head over to Eventbrite. Just do a search for Jersey City Brewsology. I am very close to pulling the trigger on this one. I definitely want to go to this because it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Um, and you get to hang out at the Liberty Science Center, which is pretty cool. And then finally, NYC Brewed, of course, the kickoff to New York City Beer Week is taking place on Saturday, February 25th. Uh, you definitely want to be there. They don't, uh, they have not announced the venue yet, but it is going to be in Brooklyn. And as they said, they said, think uh, close to the East River, easily accessible by public transit, close to at least one of the member brewery tap rooms. Stay tuned for more information. That should be a lot of fun, and I will certainly be there for that. When we come back after a short break, guess what? AJ from Epic Brewing from San Diego recorded at the brewery back in November, just about six weeks ago, will join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Algatulo here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. It sounds a little different, and the reason why is because we are sitting on the water in beautiful uh, Point Loma, uh, California, just right uh, above San Diego. San Diego is a big city, and so um, for those who don't know, there are tons of breweries here in San Diego. They're doing San Diego Beer Week this week, and I'm out here with my best friend Mark, and uh, we're just enjoying some of the different breweries here in uh, Southern California, and so we are here at Epic Brewing in... um, uh, Point Loma. So the the wind that you're hearing, we're kind of on the water here. So uh, forgive us for the um, the little distractions. But right now, we are sitting with uh, AJ, one of the lead uh, lead beer tenders for Epic Brewing. AJ, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, how long have you been into, or actually, how long have you been working for uh, for Epic? For Epic Brewing, um, coming on five years in February. That's when this Point Loma location will um, will have our five year anniversary early February. Um, so as soon as I moved here to San Diego, which was just over five years ago, I was pursuing Epic. I wanted to work for them so badly, and uh, a lot of that was because of the the history and the the beers that the styles that they brew. Um, mostly the Schwartz beer, which I found that we both love. Yes, and well, and let's talk about that for a minute. So you you moved here five years ago. You wanted to be a part of this. What what was your impetus to get into uh, getting into beer? Why is it that this is what you wanted to do as a career? Uh, well, I'm actually coming on seven years of working in the beer industry as a beer tender, um, starting in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then I moved to Denver. I uh, was there for just a, a quick year, and then found myself in San Diego and 
did a, did a lot of research and wanted to find the brewery that I could call home. Um, and Epic just had the right, the right styles, the right values, the right um, history of brewing, and all of it just made sense, and it just felt right. So, so AJ, let's talk about the history of Epic. Epic actually started uh, here in San Diego, but it's, it actually has its roots in the New York City area in one of the five boroughs in Brooklyn. Yeah, that's right. Um, one of the co-founders here, Stephanie Epig, um, she has the family name. Her ancestors were Bavarian immigrants. They came to Brooklyn, New York in the uh, mid to late 1800s. Uh, Leonard Epig started Epig Brewing, his Germania Lager Brewery, in 1866. It was passed along through the family over the years, uh, with Joseph Epig being one of those names. Um, he is the nephew of Leonard and also have the eagle with the barrel is Joseph's logo that we have now trademarked and used as our own here in San Diego, modern day. Uh, so we're carrying on the historical lager styles that the family brewed and keeping on that tradition of high quality lagers and ales. And, and for those that don't remember or don't know in the history in New York City, um, the Germans obviously brought over beer when the colonies were um, were formed in the 17, uh, 1770s, and beer was very prevalent uh, within New York City. In Manhattan and Brooklyn, you had uh, all of these breweries, and over the years, uh, in addition to Prohibition, the breweries started to, um, you know, fade out. Uh, Peels and Schmitz and Schaefer and all those breweries, they just decided to downsize, and Anheuser-Busch had their sort of operations in Newark, uh, but for the most part, beer was pretty much done by the late 50s, early 60s. Beer was all but non-existent uh, in New York City, and now it's it's come back in a big way. But that's really cool of bringing the recipes from one side of the country uh, to the other. And I think for this area uh, in Southern California, it's all about the IPA. It's all about the, the, the bitterness of the IPA, the West Coast IPA. Now the hazy IPA has seemed to have taken over. Um, but you guys primarily do traditional styles of beer that was the total you know that was the reason behind opening the brewery how has san diego itself responded to it that's a great question um so you know coming on six years as a company this month's actually our six-year anniversary um we've been known as the brewer's brewery this is where people who work in the industry come to get their clean lagers and something really refreshing after a long day of uh or just to get away from all the the hoppy West Coast styles um, that are kind of king in San Diego. Um, so people have really responded well to that, and now six years later, a lot of breweries are making more than one lager now, and I think it, a lot of it stemmed from from Epic kind of stepping up and taking the lead on that and doing something a little bit different to stand out. Yeah. We're talking with AJ, one of the lead beer t uh, the, the lead beer tender here at Epic Brewing, uh, right here on uh, Point Loma on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And it, it's interesting that you say that the, the, the breweries, the brewer's brewery, uh, because that's a lot of the traditional styles that they like to beer, and that's how they got into beer. Obviously, to start with, it wasn't the IPA. It was the, 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 pil the lagers and the, you know, all the different styles um, that were traditional. What's interesting is that during the pandemic, a lot of these breweries had more time to brew those types of beers. You guys were already doing that. So I'm sure during the pandemic, it was probably a tough time for you guys because there were a lot of beers that you could not get out as quickly as you wanted to because it does take time to make these beers uh, drinkable. 
Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, there was a point where we almost had too much beer during the pandemic and couldn't couldn't sell enough of it. But we continued, you know, kind of pushing the envelope and doing a lot more uh, lager styles and making it kind of uh, the standard here. So, AJ, talk to me a little bit about the um, the area itself here. Um, this the building you you guys rent this building. You don't own it. It is um, a, a function of the Port Authority here uh, of San Diego. So they wanted something in this space, and it was always their intention to have a brewery. Correct? Yeah. Um, as far as I know, you know the the building was being built just over five years ago. It's kind of a unique shape. Uh, it used to be an old shipyard before this was all built. So it's um, there's a lot of new buildings around here now. But they wanted it to be reminiscent of the area and kind of being a shipyard. We're surrounded by charters that fishing charters and people who live on their sailboats right down here. Uh, we're actually the only waterfront brewery location in all of um, San Diego County, at least, maybe wow. Southern California. The only um, property that's actually on the water. So that definitely helps us stand out a bit. Being so close to the airport, we get a lot of travelers and. It's, uh, it's pretty much a destination. Yeah, they want to have a taste before they get back on the plane and head back home. Uh, I think one of the great things that I love about San Diego and why I've been here so many times is the weather, obviously. The weather is just, it's always perfect no matter what. I mean, even today, it's a 60-degree day in November, and yet I'm feeling warm because of the sun on my back, whereas if I was back east, if we were in New Jersey, we'd be, you know, 60s chilly for us. It'd be, we'd be a little bundled up. You know, it's not, it's not like this. But let's talk about um, the sixth anniversary that's taking place. Um, actually, when this interview airs, it'll be it'll have um, it'll have taken place already. But the sixth anniversary party here, um, you guys did a couple of new things uh, for that sixth anniversary. What's the beer that's being served for the sixth anniversary? That's right. Um, so our anniversary is taking place this month on Saturday the 19th. It's actually going to be at our Vista headquarters, which is about 40 miles north of here. Um, that's where our brewery is. We've been there just over three years at that location. A um, little bit of an upgrade from the first location. Um, our sixth anniversary beer this year is an Imperial Schwarzbier. Um, Schwarzbier meaning black beer in German. Um, we consider it Imperial. It's 6.6% ABV compared to our traditional version is 4.9% that we typically have once or twice a year. Um, it has Lovely, smooth, roasty, milk chocolate aromas, a little bit of a lighter body, really clean finish. It is delicious. Yeah, I, I, I will say that. It's good. I haven't reviewed it yet on Suds and Duds. That'll be in a couple of weeks, but uh, it is a fantastic beer. We had a great pour of that. And the beer that we were drinking, we're drinking now, this is the... This is an alt beer. We call it Rival. Rival? And tell, tell the folks a little bit about uh, what an alt beer is. Sure. Um, it is a historical style that came out of Dusseldorf. Alt means old. Um, so essentially it, it could mean a lot of things, but modern versions, it is kind of a nutty, bready, malt forward, typically an amber color. Um, ours has a little bit of a dried cherry note that comes from the yeast character. Um, it's really fun. It's fairly easy drinking, a nice noble hop balance to it, very uh, refreshing but flavorful, very traditional version of the style. And we're talking with uh, AJ, one of the lead uh, beer tenders here at Epic Brewing uh, here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. It's a beautiful day here in Southern California. Um, the, it's, I almost equate it to um, 
I almost, I almost equated to taking a tranquilizer, right? Because you take a tranquilizer, you kind of, kind of mellow out, you kind of level out a little bit. It's just kind of relaxing. That's what the weather feels like right now, even with the little wind coming off the water, and you're enjoying some uh, some great beers. Um, one of your beers recently won an award, uh, the European Beer Star uh, gold medal winner. That's the 1045 uh, to Denver IPA. Give me the origin of that name. Is that I'm, I'm assuming that has to do with a with a flight to Denver. Well, you know, it's a little bit of a uh, inside joke between um, our principal brewer and his buddies from a trip to Denver for Great American Beer Fest years ago. They were um, on their way to the airport, and I think it was like a van or someone was taking a group of them back, and uh, they're all kind of sleeping it off, and all of a sudden one of their buddies goes, it's quarter to 11, and the driver's like, "What are you, who are you talking to? What are you talking about? And he's like, this guy next to me asked what time it was looks over and everyone's just sleeping off in the back sleeping and he's the only one awake and he's like no and like no one asked what time it is and also it's not quarter to 11 (laughs) uh so apparently just kept saying it's quarter to 11 quarter to 11 so that's kind of a little bit of an inside joke just to uh, make fun of a buddy who's also a local guy in the in the beer industry here in San Diego. And so and so the IPA was was crafted behind the name what is so significant about the IPA that is a reminder of him? Ah, yes. So it is a more of a classic, more old school West Coast style, piney, resinous, dank, um, referring to uh, some good times had in Denver shortly after um, dispensaries were popping up everywhere. So, you know, reminiscence of that dank marijuana profile um, that you might detect from the hops that are in that particular IPA. All right, so uh, last question from me, and we're talking with A.J., one of the lead beer tenders here at Epic Brewing in uh, San Diego, California, Point Loma, right on the waterfront here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Where do you see yourself, A.J., in the next five years, let's say, in the beer business? In the beer business? Out of the beer business? What? You know, regardless of whether I'm in the beer industry or not, I still hope to be very much part of it in terms of the relationships I've made and the friendships and just the amazing camaraderie in the industry, especially in San Diego. Um, I definitely hope to remain in San Diego. I, I love this place. I call it home. And, and Epic is an amazing company to work for. So hopefully I'm, I'm still here, you know, if that's where it takes me. And uh, e- either way, I will be searching out all the best loggers, no matter where I am. Very cool. Uh, AJ, thanks so much for giving us a uh, here. And as the wind is, is blowing all over the place here, and thank you so much to beer. This has been uh, delicious and again, you, you just can't beat the view. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thanks everyone. Up next, Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella join me from an interview back in October about the Craft Beer Marketing Awards The Crushies. Up next on the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. <laughs> Naked Ladies is the band, and no, Stephen Page is not the lead singer anymore. He is, uh, they let him go a while ago. He had some, uh, unfortunately, some substance abuse issues. Not that I want to bring that up here and make light of it. Uh, but the song is called Alcohol. The band is Bare Naked Ladies. Stephen Page actually played with The Who uh, last week, actually opened for them, which is kind of cool. Uh, so good to see that he is still 
continuing his musical endeavors. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer you can follow me very easily on Twitter at Algatulo, Instagram at Gatulo. That's G A T T U L L O. Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Email at albertgnnycradio.com or on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. You can also find us. Uh, on Alexa, on Amazon, you can find us on iHeartRadio, Odyssey.com. All you have to do, again, is do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. And, of course, the Hopped Up Network, hoppedupnetwork.com. You can find my show in podcast form and a plethora of others as well when the radio show ends, which is really cool. You can download and listen to it whenever you want. Now, my next guests, the co-founders of the Craft Beer Marketing Awards, they've been on the show plenty of times, the CMBAs. Uh, have announced their annual award series. The early bird entries are taking place now. You can get them in through October 28th. For more info on how to enter your beer and uh, your beer marketing materials, etc., just go over to craftbeermarketingawards.com. Let me welcome back to the program Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella to the Craft Beer Cast. Jim, Jackie, how are you guys? Hey, Al. Uh, Jimmy, okay. <laughs> hey, guys. How is everybody? Doing, doing well. Hopefully both of you guys are doing well. Let's dive right in. Jackie, I'm going to start with you. There are new categories for some of the awards this year, but the thing that I love the most, and you you guys spotlighted this in your press release, is that the award now has a dual purpose. Jackie, tell the audience about this cool feature for the award. Uh, Yeah, so this year we've started including sort of industry suppliers and partners, meaning those who are growing the hops, those who are supplying equipment, uh, kegs, all of that can now enter the specific categories. We also started a for a cause category, which we're super excited about, um, called Show Up Your Test. Jim, I don't know if you want to dive into that. This is kind of Jim's brainchild. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, we've, we, we know that uh, a lot of people in our industry have tattoos, and a lot of them are actually beer and brewing specific. Mm-hmm. So we decided this year for a cause, Everyone who enters Category 38, which is Best Beer and Brewing Related Tattoo, all of that money will go to charity, to the uh, Michael James Jackson Foundation. And they're a grant-making organization that funds scholarships um, to black, indigenous, and people of color within the brewing and distilling trades. Oh, that's very cool. That's awesome. So if you have a, so anybody who enters that category... And obviously, they're they're you know they're they're paying money to get their entry in. You're going to donate part a portion of that money uh, to this scholarship fund. That's very cool. Yes, fifty dollars and all 100 percent of the proceeds go to the uh, to the organization. And I think I'm the only one in the industry without a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to change that then, Jim. We got to get you got to get a tattoo. Come on. Oh no, there it is. <laughs> I would say you put a, you you get a tattoo of a crushy. Yeah, exactly. Right on my neck. There you go. We're talking with Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella, both co-founders of the Craft Beer Marketing Awards. For more info on how you can enter your beer, your art, your tap handle, etc., just go over to craftbeermarketingawards.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. But the the big thing, though, is the actual award itself, guys. The award, yeah, the trophy, is, yeah, the trophy itself. When you get the trophy, mm-hmm. now it's not just something to display at your brewery. Tell the audience, and I'll let either one of you take this one. Tell the audience what the award can do now. Yeah, so Jackie's brainchild. So I'll let her go. <laughs> yeah, we're swapping roles here. Um, yeah, we actually wanted to make it something functional since people have won a ton of these. Um, 
we wanted to also keep the trophy within the industry. So we're working with Steel City Taps this year. They created our crushy and made it into a functional tap handle. So all three versions of our trophy can now be utilized in a brewery on a tap. It's awesome. That that is see now that's pretty cool because you know that that is a focal point for people when they walk into a brewery. Everybody who walks into a brewery wants to see something unique, and when they see that tap handle, they're going to go, "Hey, what is that? Is that?" A t-? And and again, it obviously could apply to any beer that they're they're putting it on the tap handle. But I I love the fact that it now becomes a focal point uh, for the brewery, which is. Really, really cool. And the the awards themselves are completely made in the United States. Is that right? Yep. I think it's Alabama. Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys have had a huge response to the awards over the years. And as I mentioned, early bird entries have started through October 28th. But, Jim, that's not the end uh, of the of the road there. How long do they how long do breweries have to submit their entry? It doesn't end on October 28th. Uh, It's it's a few months after that. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. The entry deadline um, is January 27th, so we'll have a little time to get your entries in, and um, there's, there's a lot of them to peruse. So go to crushy, thecrushies.com. Thecrushies.com. Jackie, did more people in breweries outside of the U.S. Uh, enter the awards last year, and how has the reaction around the world to the Crushies been received? Oh, yeah. We had a huge, huge amount of entries last year. I believe we had over 240 winners, so that kind of gives you an idea of the quantity we had of amazing work. Um, The reception has been amazing. People are super excited. We were actually able to have a smaller in-person version of the ceremony last year during the Craft Brewers Conference in Minneapolis, Um, and we had past winners from all around the world come join us and take pictures with their crushies. We had big crushy cutouts on a stage. Um, it was really, really cool. We had Australia present, UK, London, um, every, everything you could think of. It was an amazing night. And now this year we're moving towards a full in-person ceremony in uh, May. Which is cool. And, and again, right, the, 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 uh, the awards are in May, and they're going to be held uh, in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Nashville, yeah. Oh, Nashville. Nashville, that's right. So Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that's where you're going to go to get your awards. And and for those that don't know, this isn't just um, Jim. This isn't just beer uh, itself. It, it you know you can enter for your uh, marketing campaign. You can enter your podcast or radio show in it. Um, there are a lot of different categories in which people can enter that are in the beer business. What are a couple that were new last year that you kind of were surprised by uh, the amount of entries? Was there any one category that you were kind of surprised at how many entries came in from some of the newer categories? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely know podcast last year was one of our new categories, and we obviously know how important podcasts have grown in our industry specifically, and that one really uh, was new and, and took off. Uh, and that, and that's great. I mean, and obviously there are people doing beer podcasts, not just, you know, obviously here in New York, but uh, all over the country, which is awesome. Now, speaking of podcasts, and we're talking with Jim McCune and Jackie DeBella, both co-founders of the Craft Beer Marketing Awards. For more info on how to enter, you can go to craftbeermarketingawards.com. They're on Instagram. They've got a great account. Definitely check it out. But speaking of podcasts, the podcast is now in its third year. How has it expanded mm-hmm. your knowledge of the marketing side of the business, Jackie? Oh, we get such great insight, and the stories behind the work are unbelievable. Um, you know, we've talked to everybody from agencies to in-house creatives to just the artists themselves that freelance this out to different breweries. 
um, it's, it's been really cool. And we also have um, one, I think it's going live this week. We spoke to the digital marketing director over at Yakima Chief Hops. So we're getting insight from all over the industry of how they're utilizing their marketing team and all the different tactics available to them to get their brand out there. So it's definitely worth a listen if you are in the marketing space, working with breweries. Um, there's a lot of great tips and tricks that we talk about. And and let's stick with that for a second in, in terms of marketing. Uh, and Jim, I'll ask you this question. Uh, when a lot of people are noticing lately or breweries are noticing lately when they're posting their newest beer that they're trying to sell, whether it's in cans or it's on tap at the brewery, a lot of times Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, seems to be um, you know muting those those uh, those pictures uh, or not so much muting them, but it's not uh, unveiling them to a larger audience. Now, I don't know if that's a push of Facebook and Instagram to try and get you to buy ads. Or if it's if it's just they you know they don't want to be showing alcohol uh, to people maybe under the age of eighteen and showing them these images and stuff of alcohol under the age of eighteen. Have you guys seen any of that with any of the breweries that you that you work with or any of the marketing groups that you work with that Instagram seems to not be the platform anymore for people to be posting stuff about alcohol? It's a great question and it's a tricky one because Instagram Facebook is you know one of uh, one of our top uh, promoters, right. but we have seen issues lately with the algorithms cracking down much tougher on anything beer or alcohol related. Um, so I think it's just some shifts in the way we do business. Uh, the perfect example is uh, craftbeermarketingawards.com. Mm-hmm. That's our website, but uh, we've actually shifted it to thecrushies.com um, as part of that help as well. So it's something that's being really... Um, serviced in our industry and in every seminar that we've been in. So great question. And uh, we're not actually sure um, where it's going to go. Hopefully it gets smarter and and allows us to do the business because everyone on social, you're either tagged as 21 or over or not. So, right. So, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Sorry, just to jump in two cents there. Um, The other piece of the puzzle with Instagram is they're pushing reels. So that video content that we knew was coming to be so important, that's what's getting pushed out. So if you have a new beer, you know, instead of just posting a picture of it, take that beautiful can and pour it into a glass and post that instead. Um, That will get picked up more so than your stagnant image. See, that's that's interesting, and it's interesting how trends uh, shift because obviously that sounds to me from from an Instagram standpoint that they're going after that TikTok audience that is constantly posting mm-hmm. these videos of 30 seconds or a minute to get people attracted because maybe it's the attention span or, you know, whatever the case may be. But for, for static shows like mine, you know, I rely more on a picture on Instagram mm-hmm. to show you, hey, th- this is who the, the guest that I'm talking to this week. These are the things that I have. And it might not necessarily be the best thing in the world to use a video on, but maybe that's something um, to look at when you're exploring those different algorithms because it seems like the algorithm changes at a moment's yep. notice. No matter what you do, it seems like something flips at a moment's notice. So uh, that's. I will uh, say, in relation to what you just said, mm-hmm. if it's cheap, it's twelve ninety nine a month. The, the program is called Canva, canva.com. Mm-hmm. Anyone can make any type of video with text, image, whatever you need. That has become a saving grace for those in the industry. You don't have a full video or marketing team. Anybody can use that site. 
There you go. Free advice. I love it. I love it. My guests have been Jim McCune and Jackie DiBella, both co-founders of the Craft Beer Marketing Awards. For more info on how to enter your beer, art, whatever, just go to the it's thecrushies.com or it's crushies.com? Thecrushies.com. Thecrushies.com. Perfect. Final interview of The Best Of is next. Rob Vandible from Echo Friendly Beer Drinker, an interview recorded back in September after this on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. I'm kind of on a, a live kick. Um, I follow uh, Chad Gracie, the drummer for live, and uh, he posts these great videos about him, you know, uh, practicing in his drum kit with different songs and stuff, and you hear the song in the background, and then he's playing the drums, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So where am I going with this? Well, live is touring again, but they're only playing a couple of limited dates and nothing near me in the New York City area. So I'm kind of upset about that. I need them to come to New Jersey or the you know New York City proper in order to see them again. It's been a couple of years, so cannot wait uh, to see those guys again in concert. Hopefully this is sort of a tune-up uh, to a tour uh, that will start next year. Now, my next guest, the founder of a website, it's called Echo Friendly Beer. He's been on the program before. Uh, they provide He provides insights for the brewing industry as well as its consumers on how to be more environmentally mindful. And we've got lots of problems going on with the environment, obviously, but um, there are a lot of things that are affecting brewers right now, whether it's supply chain issues, CO2, um, eco-friendly packaging, et cetera, and we're going to get into it with Rob in just a moment. But he's also got his own consulting company that he started. It's called RNV Sustainability LLC, Ecovative Solutions for a Better Planet. For more info on all of this, Head over to EcoFriendlyBeer.com. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast, and it's been a little while, on AM 970, The Answer, Rob Vandible. Rob, how are you? Hi, Al. I'm great, and uh, thanks for having me back on. As you were saying, there's um, a lot going on in the um, craft brewing industry these days in terms of environmental uh, impacts. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's dive right into it. We spoke a few years ago. You were essentially this... This sort of lone guy trying to get breweries to be more environmentally conscious. And, it, and it, it has worked in a few states now, like Rhode Island and Vermont and Chicago. So let's start with how you've gotten breweries to stop using plastic ring holders and shift to biodegradable products. Yeah, so it's, it's been a real sort of challenge, to be honest with you. Um, plastic is everywhere these days. It's typically cheaper than other options, um, and undeniably, it does work well. Um, I've been on a sort of a, a path for several years to try to get breweries to rethink this, and obviously, as you know, and everybody else knows, it's not just me. There's all sorts of things in the media these days about the challenges with plastic packaging. Um, but most recently, uh, it was really, really great news to see that a, a brewery called The Alchemist, which I'm assuming most of your uh, listeners will be familiar with, mm-hmm. switched over from the standard sort of plastic packaging to these biodegradable and fully compostable E6 PR um, packaging rings. And um, they are just such a better product for the environment that it was really exciting news. 
um, especially because of this brewery's stature and that it's a relatively bigger brewery compared to the thousands of really small little places that maybe it's going to start the trend away from plastic and towards these other carriers. That would be that would be really great. And, and Rob, let me let me stop you there for a second because we talked about this last time, but I don't think, and I want to reiterate this because I don't think people really realize um, this issue and why it's so big. Um, the labels in the pack text that breweries use to hold their beer are not recyclable. We spoke about it last time, but explain to the audience again why they're not recyclable. Right. So these these can toppers or can carriers, there's a bunch of different names for them, or pack text, that's the sort of industry name. They're the, you know, that hold the four cans together that you conveniently carry it with. They're advertised and marketed as 100% recyclable, which is true in theory, but as we know, the real world doesn't sort of operate on theory. Um, so in order for that to get properly recycled, it would have to go through the, the standard procedure that a consumer has, which is you toss it into your single stream recycling bin with a whole bunch of other different things. And you hope that it gets properly sorted and then off to the right place that it can be melted, you know, chipped down, melted down, and then reused to make more plastic products. Really, really hard for that to happen these days with a lot of different plastic products and these included. So the likelihood of your pack tech getting recycled if you throw it in your recycling bin is less than 5%. Wow. Um, and so that's the sort of really damaging side to this. So then it's going to end up in landfill or it's going to get incinerated. Or sometimes, as we know, if you just walk down the street, you can see that we've got lots of litter for a whole bunch of different reasons. So if the pack tech ends up in any of those three places, it's terrible for the environment. And it's just um, a problem that can be solved by getting breweries to take these back mm-hmm. and clean and reuse them, which is a really, really easy, convenient thing to do for small breweries, and it actually saves them money. And that's where we've been able to get a lot of traction on that side of things, which is in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Vermont has done an amazing job, and now in Chicago, we've been able to get these great take-back programs where smaller breweries will, you know, sometimes have incentives for for their consumers to bring Mm -hmm. them back. Um, and again, they can clean them, reuse them, and it's a win-win. Less plastic packaging being used and um, money being saved by these small breweries in terms of less packaging costs. We're talking with Rob Vandible. He's the co-founder of Eco-Friendly Beer, and he also has a new consulting company. It's called RNV Sustainability LLC, Ecovative Solutions for a Better Planet. For more info on both, just head over to Eco-Friendly beer.com as we're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. And Rob, you mentioned it about how uh, breweries should be recycling these things and using them more. There's a local brewery by my house, Wet Ticket Brewing uh, in New Jersey, and the owner, Tim, uh, co-owner, he he does recycle uh, the black ones because that's what they use uh, primarily for their uh, their beer. So what I do is I'll, I'll save up, you know, as many as I can and then bring them to him and he steams them to sanitize them uh, at a certain temperature and then reuses them uh, for, you know, his next set of beers, which you're right. But again, uh, you know, you're, you're saying the best solution is to ditch plastic altogether. Obviously, the stuff that Alchemist is using is the smart way to do it. But what are other ways that more states can can get rid of waste. Obviously, in New Jersey, we have this plastic bag ban where uh, they want you to just use reusable bags. It's against the law to even use paper bags at this point. What can more states do to get rid of waste? Is there a solution? 
Yeah, and it's a, it's a great question, Alan. It's a it's a big question and one that I think um, we're going to definitely have to reckon with, not just in the brewing industry, but as you said, everywhere. So I think we as consumers need to start getting used to a, a sort of a new normal, which is going to be that we actually have to go back to the sort of saying that everybody's heard, but no one seems to really utilize, which is reduce, reuse. And then if you have done everything you can, try to recycle. Mm -hmm. Typically right now we are uh, sort of a society of convenience, right? So we just want to get everything, use it once, and then alleviate our guilt by throwing it in the recycling bin. But when you dig a little deeper, you realize that recycling in many parts of the world, our country included, is, um, again, it's a theory, but it's not necessarily happening very well in reality for a whole bunch of reasons that we don't have time to get into. So, mm. um, And businesses, I think, need to try to embrace this mentality, and I think that consumers are, are much more ready than ever before to hear this kind of messaging. Um, and, you know, simple things like reusable sort of bags or just asking consumers to figure out ways to not need quite so much packaging in particular is a big one. Right. And and before we run out of time, and this is a great thing, and, I, and, and what Rob wants to do really is to take this program nationally where brewers can, can sort of contact him and, and others as well to uh, work on the sustainability and reusability and recycling uh, of different products. But before we, we run out of time, Rob, I want to mention you had something on your uh, Facebook page, and it's something that's been going on now uh, for a little while and is becoming more serious for brewers. There's a CO2 shortage that is real and affecting many breweries across the country. What is the short-term solution that can be done, if any, and is there a long-term solution? Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, there are several interesting things that um, are coming as a result of this issue, and I think they're going to be really positive trends for the industry. One is that um, CO2, most people don't know this. They probably just assume that CO2 is mostly used for carbonating beverages, but um, in the brewing industry, and I think in others, it's used in every step of the process. So switching from CO2 to something called nitrogen, which we all know is something that's just in our air. It's not a greenhouse gas. It's actually cheaper and easier to get because it doesn't have the same um, supply chain issues because it's accessible almost anywhere and you can create a nitrogen plant anywhere. Um, That's been a really big positive change. A lot of breweries are figuring out when and where they can use nitrogen in their production processes primarily. It's not that we're going to start drinking more nitrogenated beers. It's going to be that all the other process part is done with nitrogen or much of it. That will be a big help for everybody. On top of that, there's little things that breweries can do. For example, there's a thing called a spunding valve that can be put on pretty much any fermentation tank and can help um, take some of the CO2 that's already in the beer during the fermentation process and and save some of that instead of having it all be um, sent out through these sort of tubes that send it out into the atmosphere when it's just fermenting. And then the bigger one that might be coming, but it's a little more expensive and will require um, a lot more capital investment from breweries, which is hard for smaller breweries sometimes, 
is carbon capture technology. It's really come a long way on a small scale. It's not a serious climate change sort of solution for the world, but for small industry like craft brewing, um, it's starting to be for some of these breweries. Um, but again, that that is something that only so many breweries can do if they have the the money behind them to do it. Right. Obviously, for smaller breweries that that produce a very small amount, it wouldn't be cost-effective for them. But for the bigger ones, uh, it would certainly be something uh, that they could look into. These are great things. My guest has been Rob Vandable. He's the founder of Eco-Friendly Beer. He also has his own consulting company. It's called RNV Sustainability LLC, Ecovative Solutions for a Better Planet. For more info on both, just head over to ecofriendlybeer.com. Rob, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Much success on on, uh, both uh, ends with the uh, consulting company as well as Eco-Friendly Beer. And thanks so much for the knowledge for the audience. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, always appreciate a chance to be on your show, Al, and a uh, chance to talk to your listeners. My thanks to everyone involved in the show for this entire year, as well as my guests from Epic Brewing, the Craft Beer Marketing Awards, and Eco-Friendly Beer Drinker. And of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watts. And I'll be back Tuesday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.